Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. States. And uh, what the problem with that is um, everybody thinks they're a Christian, yet not everybody is a Christian. Not everybody who calls themselves a certain thing is a certain thing. Now, it's not my job to judge. When you grow up in a nation that considers the nation to be Christian and the people in the nation to be Christian, all of a sudden, becoming Christian does not actually mean anything. It just means I know the story, possibly, but it doesn't mean that you're a Christ follower. And the problem with it is it, it, it inoculates your heart to the truth of the gospel because you think you've already received it. If you think you're already inoculated, then you don't actually need to receive the real thing. And so I thought I was a Christian but I wasn't living the life. I wasn't living a life because I hadn't actually been converted. I may have considered myself a Christian, but I hadn't actually been converted to Christianity. People come to our church and they're like, it's so weird, it feels Catholic that we do that thing, the Apostles' Creed, when the Apostles' Creed was written before the Catholic Church was born. It predates Catholicism. Because we have found that there is a whole generations of people who call themselves Christians, and even those who go to church who don't know the foundational doctrines of our faith. The foundational doctrines that we all must agree on to be Christians are found in the Apostles' Creed. And so we recite it hoping that if you don't get anything else, you get that into your spirit of the truth of who Jesus is and why He came. When we become Christians, we die to our old life and we become alive to a new life. There is a death and a resurrection that we're all supposed to experience in this new life. And this is the reality that Jesus came into. This is the reality that we find in the New Testament. There were a group of people who called themselves God's people and therefore they were right with God. Jesus came to say, actually, no. Now, I'm not here to judge you, but I'm here to let you know you have been led astray in thinking that you're right with God when you're not. You need to actually die to the old thing and come alive to the new thing. And there are definite, specific occasions that this is outlined in the Bible. And today, as I'm following the lectionary, as I told you, our, our scripture is such a passage. You turn with me in that book of Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read two different passages out of Acts chapter 2. So give me a little while I'm talking and then you can take a break here. You know, but I'm going to go ahead. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. This is on the day of Pentecost. Jesus of Christ had been raised from the dead and he had ascended into heaven. On the day of Pentecost, 
Spirit was poured out, the church was formed. Verse 14, Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to everybody who was kind of in shock of what was happening. He said, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. Jump ahead to verse 36 if you would. And he talked about who Jesus was and everything that happened. Verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. And with many other words, He solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received His word were baptized, and on that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And Father, we thank You for the word, and we pray that You would bless the reading of the word, and the words that I would speak today would be spirit and life to the hearer. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you. I'm, continu- I'm continuing our message series today, The Life. The Life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and let's say it together, the life. And we are called to live the life. Can you say amen? Yet today, there's so many um, who have taken Christianity to be a title but not necessarily a life. Christianity is, 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 is an ethnic group almost. It's, for some, unfortunately, a nationalistic term. For some, it's just it dictates what jewelry you buy. Uh, but, but it is not, was not supposed to be that way. It actually is a life that we live. And what I am so um, torn about today and what I'm, what I'm grieved and I'm going to um, try to expound in such a positive way as possible But I'm grieved today because I see our nation and specifically the region that we live in discipling people and people don't even know it. People don't recognize that there are whole corporations out there who make their money discipling you to desire what they're selling, to want what they have to offer, to aspire to be someone who does not live for your benefit but for their own. And I want us today to kind of consider how we're living and what voices are shaping our lives today. Say amen. I was um, reading today, um, I was reading, excuse me, this week, and this article that I read in Bloomberg Magazine jumped out at me. And um, the the title, if you would put it up, uh, it was TikTok's algorithm keeps pushing suicide to vulnerable kids. There was a, a boy named Chase Nasca. And he was 16 years old. Two years ago, uh, he had committed suicide, and his parents could not figure out why. He didn't seem depressed, didn't seem to be um, battling depression, doing well in school. And uh, after he passed, and they buried him, and they were trying to figure out what happened, and they began to log on to his social media accounts. And uh, when they opened up TikTok on his iPad, uh, they found more than 3,000 videos that he had either liked or saved, right? And the videos that he liked and saved fell into just a couple categories. Uh, they were either um, the terms that he searched for, which was Batman, 
uh, basketball, weightlifting, motivational videos. These were the videos that he had searched for and that he had bookmarked. But as they went through his feed, there was a constant stream of videos about depression, about hopelessness, about death. And what shocked them was the first video that popped up when they opened his iPad to TikTok was a boy. And the boy talked about there's a way to end the pain. And it showed the boy walking toward a train. And poor Nicholas, excuse me, Chase Nicka had walked in front of a train near his house and had committed suicide by a train. And here's what I'm saying. There are algorithms out there that are shaping what you view. There are algorithms in South Florida that are deciding what messages you hear every day. Our children are being discipled by algorithms by, that are designed by people in Silicon Valley to make them money. Hear me. I'm not trying to scare you with a boogeyman. I'm not trying to say evil technology. You know, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is there are people who are targeting advertising toward you for their benefit, not yours. It is weird how I'll have a conversation about something in my house, then all of a sudden I start getting ads about it on my phone. I'm like, Big Brother is listening. The dumbest thing they do is you buy something and then they start targeting you with ads for the thing you just bought. I'm like, you're about three days late, right? Like, you're not as smart as you think you are. I actually, I actually bought that already. But this isn't just about children. It's not just about parenting. And, and I, I know parents hear that story and say, man, I really got to lock down what my kids watch. And I, I'm not judging anybody on their parenting but the iPad babies make me a little bit worried. I, I, I hear the stories from um, first, second, third grade teachers today where kids have to be entertained every five minutes or they cannot keep the classroom in order. We are discipling our children to be programmed by algorithms to suit their most base desires. And I am fearful of this. I'm fearful of what adults are going to look like who need to be entertained every seven seconds. There is a discipleship happening by algorithms, but this isn't just about children. It's easy to point the family, the, the finger at children and point the finger at moms. You know, when, when I was coming up in church and we had small kids, you know, we called the TV the neglectovision, right? The, the neglectomatic. You put the, the TV on, you put your kid in front of it, and you don't have to actually parent them anymore, right? But now it's a 24-7 from infant on, and, 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 and it's easy to say, you know, the pastor, you're not raising a little kid. I'm not, I'm not judging you on how you raise your children at all. And that's, that's not the point of what I'm saying. I'm not saying take the electronics away from your kids. What I am saying is we cannot let five-year-olds dictate what, their, what input they get their entire life. That, that's my first point. Number two, we cannot let children have a gateway to pornography in their bedroom and not have some sort of regulation on it. But number three, adults, don't be so prideful to think that you are immune to this algorithm. There is an algorithm. There, there, there is a message that goes out there for the person who is living like the devil and thinks they're Christian. There is a programming that's happening that conditions us to think that we're living in some sort of spiritual state that we're not. And we have to be aware of the voices that are shaping our soul. We have to be aware of the voices that are shaping our soul. We live in South Florida. We're here in Boca Raton. We, the, 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 the Christian nationalists want us to think 
that America is some sort of new Israel. That this is God's chosen land and we have to block it from Babylon. Friend, don't be offended. We are living in Babylon. Boca Raton is Babylon. We are living in a society that rejects all of Jesus' tenets and lusts for the way of this world. If you are living in Boca Raton, if you are living in South Florida, you have to recognize that there are voices in Boca that do not care about you, but want you to live in unfettered consumerism. You can never have enough. You can never own enough. You can never achieve enough. You can never be beautiful enough. We live in Boca. First slide, if you would, please, Josh. In Boca, man, if anything, go ahead, put that first one up. You've got to be rich in Boca. Bentleys are not uncommon in Boca. You ever have friends from like other states visit and they're like, that's a Bentley. You're like, yeah. It actually is, yeah, yeah. They're like, that's a Rolls Royce. Wait till we go to Publix. There's just, you know, it's not a big deal. My, my, my kids went to Spanish River High School and it was like a car show in the parking lot, in the student parking. You knew what was a student parking and what was a teacher parking by the cars in the parking lot. The teacher parking looked like my car and student parking looked like a car show. I was like, this is, there's more Jaguars here than at the Jaguar dealership. This is, who buys their 15-year-old a Jaguar? I don't understand. Like this, but this this is Boca. Boca, you, you will be discipled to think that you have to be rich to be somebody. Like, that, that's, the, that's the city we're in. You gotta, your, your sandals have to be custom designer Italian sandals. You've got to be wearing $150 flip-flops. That's not normal. Ladies, I'm not judging anybody. That's not normal, though. That is, that is not normal. But there is, there is a spirit in this, this area that makes you think you have to be rich to be somebody. And that is contrary to the gospel. And there is a message that is constantly coming at you. Good God, go to South Beach. Go to Miami. I mean, where we live, this opulent wealth, this collection of wealth, if you are not aware of the desire for wealth, you will think that that is the point of life. Next slide, if you would. You have to be rich and you have to be young. God forbid if you look older than 25 in Boca Raton. You go to Publix and there's women who you know are 60 and their skin looks like a Barbie doll. Their hands look, you could tell by their hands. But they're terrified of living their age. They are terrified that, I mean, in Boca, you cannot age. You are not allowed to age. And that is unnatural. It is unnatural. Like, you cannot look young enough in Boca Raton. And if you do not purposely recognize that the advertisements coming towards you make you feel like less of a person, if you look older than 30, you will start to view yourself that way and start to disfigure your body according to the algorithm of this South Florida. Next slide, if you would, please. Can you be too attractive in South Florida? The most beautiful people in the world come to South Florida and feel like a seven. Right? They say like a Kansas 10 is a, is a Miami 6, right? When, when, I, when, I lived, when I was in the service, I lived in uh, Kodiak. I lived in an island in Alaska, and there was like 400 men to every woman, and they knew it. The women knew it, and the women like, girl, you ain't really, like, it's, you, you shouldn't be acting this way, because you know you're going to leave this town one day, 
and there won't be 400 men to one. You like, but so like you know, a Florida seven is an Alaska 12, right? But it's the opposite in South Florida. If you don't, if you don't look, okay, I don't, I don't want to throw shade on anybody, but you look at the Jenner family, who are genetically blessed, they disfigure themselves to become more beautiful. Like, like, can anybody be beautiful enough in South Florida? According to South Florida, no. You can never be beautiful enough. You always have to go for more. And this, this is the voice that is discipling people in this town. These are the voices discipling your children. And I, 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 I preach this gospel for a living. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I am grieved by church systems that perpetuate this metric. They come to Jesus, we'll make you rich, you'll get beautiful, and you can stay youthful. This is the church being baptized into the world. We have a different message. We have a different message. Next scripture, if you would, please. Because the Bible says about, excuse me, next, next um, slide. Because here's what the Bible says about these three. You chase after rich, that's called greed. And we are to guard our hearts against greed because it's sin. This, this desire for perpetual youth is vanity. It is, it is pure vanity. And the thought that you can look 25 forever, is, is, it is a vain thought. Gravity works on everybody. It is an equal opportunity force. And it is going to work on your nice, fit, tight body. Gravity will start to take over. And the thought that I just need to be a, an object of sexual desire for everybody is just lust. I don't care if you're looking beautiful ladies for other women or for men. I don't care, fellas, if you're in the gym so you look good for ladies or other men. It is lust. It is, it is, and, and, and I hate that I have to add this caveat. I want you all to make more money than you need. I, I want you all to be fit and, and attractive. And I, and, and, and I want you to be able to maintain vitality. That is important. Um, but the real beauty comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is what the world is chasing after. But instead of exalting this indwelling of the Spirit that really brings the beauty upon people, we got even churches teaching to, to chase the way of the world. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm grieved by that because you can never, you can never attain this. Mark 10.25 says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You better wrestle with that if your whole life is about making money. And, and you better not come up with some nonsense like, well, the eye of a needle is really a, 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 it's a passageway and an archway. That's been disproved 10, 20, 100 times. It's just not true. That's not what that means. You better wrestle with this. You better have a theology for this. With, how, with God in it, with all, the next scripture says, but with God, all things are possible. Well, you better figure out how to be rich with God. What does it look like to be rich with God? The, the world does not tell you that. I hope you all are wealthy enough to support an orphanage in Africa, to pay your friends' kids' college education. I, like, I, I pray that you all have enough money that none of your friends are in need. That's how rich I want you to be. It, that, that, that's my desire for you. <clears throat> but in our day today, because of the discipleship of South Florida, everybody is an island. And, and here's, why I'm, here's where I'm going with this. With every person desiring to be 
rich, young, and attractive, successful, on their own. We devalue community. All you got to do is drive down Glades Road and know the people who do not care about one another, right? Like, all you got to do is drive, and there, 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 was, a, there was a post on Reddit, and someone said, where should I teach my daughter how to drive? And the first reply was, like everybody else, just send her on I-95. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like everybody on I-95 is just learning how to drive today. Like, just today, is the, like, I don't know how to use the blinker, and I don't care about what lane you're in. We're just going. Am I in the far right lane doing 107? Absolutely I am. Am I going 40 in the left lane? Sure, why not? Am I on the on-ramp going 30 watching my phone? Sure, that's, that's what we do. We could care less about the people around us in South Florida. It's all about me. And this, this society where it's like, well, that's not what I believe. Well, pastor, that's not what I think. Well, uh, that's, I don't, that's not what I think the Bible means. That's not what I think. That doesn't matter what you think. It does not matter what you believe. It, it does not matter. There are educated voices in the world who are actually able to discern things. But in our individualistic society, we'd say, none of that matters. What matters is me. We watch what it's done to our country when we don't trust voices of experts. There's a book that recently came out. It's called The, the Death of Expertise. Uh, I would recommend reading it at some point. There's a quote from it I'd like to read from you. He says, these are dangerous times. Never have so many people had so much access to so much knowledge and yet have been so resistant to learning anything. Because everybody knows everything. People, oh, you said something on Facebook? That's as good as this guy who has his Ph.D. in it. That, that, ought, to, that ought to be good enough. Huh, the church has been preaching this for 2,000 years. Oh, but I saw a TikTok video that said that this... This means that, so that's probably what it means. No, no, probably it doesn't, right? There, there's no, I, I, want to hear, I want you to hear this very carefully, those of my Pentecostal friends in the room, my fellow charismatics. There's no new revelation. The Bible has been studied for, for 2,000 years. There's no new revelation. There's only new, there's old heresies. That's all there is. And so I hear people, and I'm like, well, actually, that was disproved in 300 by Arrhenius. Like, like let, me, let, me, let me map that out for you. I can logically, on the whiteboard, draw out to you why that's not true, if you would like. Or you can just trust the guy who has his master of divinity, why that's not true. It's totally up to you. Do what you want, right? Well, actually, the, I hear people, oh, the, the Greek of this actually means, I'm like, mm, actually, no, it doesn't. I know you heard that on TikTok, because that doesn't make any sense. It, it, you don't get to make stuff up and then put it on God. Like there are, there are experts, and, and we, need to, we need to look at, at this stuff. And we have to be able to look at our society where God has called us. God has called us to South Florida. God has called this church to be in Boca Raton and to minister to the people of South Florida. And what does the culture of South Florida need? What does Boca Raton need? Boca Raton needs to know that you do not need to disfigure yourself to look pretty after 25. You do not have to disfigure yourself to look pretty. There is actually a beauty that you can, like... I told you the conversation I had with the, um, the, 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 the person who was in transition. They were uh, considering themselves part of the trans community. And, and my conversation with them was, and so you don't believe that any person who considers themselves trans or whatever, you don't believe that they can ever have peace in the body they were born in? She's like, no. I'm like, I don't believe that. I know a God. I know a God. I know a God who can come in. And, and, and make you... No, come on. If we're going to clap for God, let's clap for God. I know... I'm not hating anybody. I understand there are intersex births. I, I, I understand all the science. I also know 
that it is possible to come to peace with who God created you to be. I know, like, hear me, I'm not being hateful, I'm not talking about laws. That you've been, the algorithm told you to think that way when I brought that subject up. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about, I don't like what I look like. God can do something on the inside of you that you love what you look like. That you could be at peace, like, man, this is who I am. I, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. And in our text today, we read about a people who had experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and, and were trying to figure out, what does this mean for my life? Like, I had always thought this way about our relationship with God, and now all of a sudden, something different is happening. And when this outpouring happened, the, the presence of God fell, when, when these people began seeing something different than what they experienced, Peter didn't, didn't shirk away and say, well, you know, God has poured out His Spirit, and, well, you know, you can stay that, or you can stay that, but I'm offering you another option, or... Peter was a man of God, and he stood up and said, I, I know what's happening. Look at this, verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words. He's like, I am an expert on what's happening right now. I have been discipled by the Son of Man. I have been discipled by the Savior. I know what's happening. Listen to me. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with miracles, and wonders and signs which God performed through Him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put Him to death. But God raised Him from the dead again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for Him to be held in its power. Peter was putting himself forth as an expert. And what Peter was telling the people is that you had the Savior with you. This is the Gospel. This man, Jesus, came, was sent by God. He did miracles. He lived a life of holiness. He lived a life of purity. He was then murdered because you could not accept His message. But the Father raised Jesus from the dead. This is the Gospel. Peter got up and he started discipling the people in that crowd to the Gospel. He started... He started um, teaching them church doctrine. He started discipling them in the way of life. He, these people who had been discipled by Jesus, he decided to stand up and say, I am now going to begin telling you this new way of life that you are called to based on the sending of Jesus. He had been put in authority by the other disciples, by the other apostles, to lead this charge. And he tells them, Jesus died for sinners, and the Father raised Him from the dead. And then He preached under the anointing of God. I just, I just, I, 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 one day when I get to heaven, that's the, that's the real I'm pulling up. That's, 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 that's the story I'm pulling up. I'm, I'm going to get to heaven, and I'm going to see Jesus. Right? I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see my loved ones who've passed. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this scene as Peter, the anointing of God is all around him. And he took this moment in the anointing to preach the gospel into hungry ears. People who wanted to know what is happening. Chelsea had this word about, if you have open ears, God is going to move today. And these people had open ears. And he began to preach the gospel to preach, um, excuse me, with, with the anointing to open ears. And the power of God was present in his words. And it began to move on hearts. 
And, and here's, watch this. Watch what the Bible says. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. You say amen. Here's what I want you to get. Becoming a follower of Jesus looks like something. Becoming a follower of Jesus looks like something. Something happens that you weren't a follower, and now you are a follower. You were living your own life, being discipled by Boca Raton, and now you're being discipled by Jesus. There was a life you were living in a godly way you were resisting, and then there was a moment, a time, an episode that you decided, I'm now going to live according to God's plan, and I am not going to live according to the world's system. There, there's, there, there is a time this happened. It starts with a counter-cultural identification. I no longer identify with this world. I, I, I identify with the kingdom of heaven. I no longer, yeah, I see what you all are striving for. That is not what I'm striving for. Yes, I make money, but not for the same reason you do. Yes, I'm looking for a woman, but not for the same reason you do. This is what you, you experience today when, when these people are up here doing music. Maybe you go to clubs a lot, like to live music clubs. Maybe you... You know, I'm a lover of blues. I love going to blues clubs. I like almost any kind of music live. I'll go to almost any live music. But I, I love, I love, I love blues. And uh, I love going to blues bars, listening to good blues bands. But there is something about when musicians get together and they say, we're not doing this for any crowd entertainment. We're not doing this for any adulation. We're doing this because we're ministering to Jesus. And we're leading the people. We're taking, we're taking the responsibility of leading people in song so that they can worship Jesus. The Holy Ghost shows up, and this is completely different than what you're going to see in a blues club. Is musicianship better or worse? That is, it's, it's, you, you don't measure it the same way. It's not the same scale. Now, now you want it to be good. I, I find it a lot easier to worship when it's good than when it's bad. Like I understand make a sweet sound to the Lord, but... The Lord and me, right? Like, make a sweet sound of both. I, I, I would appreciate personally. I personally would like it if everybody's playing the same song at the same time, or at least sound like it, right? Like, but today was great, right? Amen? Can we just give it up for the worship team? So good today. It was so good. It was so good. But they're doing something different. And, and the church, the, the, the church is no different um, in, in this crossing over from one season to another. My son is going to, he's working today, but my son is going to graduate from college in a couple weeks. And we just, yeah. So is Michaela back there, working sound. Go ahead, give it up for her. We'll, we'll have a thing for all our graduates uh, uh, in a couple weeks. But, um, and we're going to go to a ceremony. We're going to go to a ceremony, and at that moment, he becomes a college graduate. We, we announced a, uh, a, 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 a wedding, um, an engagement. And as we like to say at Revival Life, you ain't married till you're married, right? It's important to recognize you ain't married till you're married. Well, we're like married in our heart. Well, then just go ahead and sign the paper and really be married if you're married in your heart. Just go ahead and sign the paper. Well, because you ain't really married, right? So let's, ladies, if he's like, it's just a paper, and you say, then just go ahead and sign it. 
If it's just a paper, go ahead and sign it. Then all of a sudden it ain't just a paper because it actually means something, right? Because when you stand up in front of people, something happens. And you do it publicly. And, and, and when your marriage kind of hits the rocks a little bit, you, you, you're like, I don't want to rush out of this because I stood up in front of a bunch of people and got married and now I feel a little pressure to try to make this thing work. And it's designed that way. Be sober-minded of what you're getting into and be sober-minded about what you do while you're in it because things can go south, right? And so, and so we see these ceremonial parts as parting of being a Jew. Part of being a Jew, they had these ceremonial baths. Uh, it was called a mikvah. And during certain times, women would have to do a mikvah or they would do these ceremonial baths uh, to come out of a season and into a new season. And John the Baptist was out in the wilderness doing a, a baptism of repentance, the Bible says. Uh, he was doing a baptism of people not in Jerusalem, but outside of Jerusalem. This is important. And as he was out here doing these baptisms of repentance, he's telling people, hey, you are, you are leaving this old system and you're waiting for the Messiah to come. And John the, baptized, John the Baptist, he baptized people to leave the way of Rome because they were living the way of Rome. To leave the way of Rome and the way of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and the Essenes. There was many groups of Jews back in the day. And he, he was baptizing, you're going to leave all of those and you're going to follow what they called the way, which we call the light. This was, this was different than what they were doing. But then, Jesus was baptized. He's baptized in the Jordan, the Bible tells us. And as he's baptized in the Jordan, now we have a spirit baptism happening in the water. Now, the baptism of Jesus is different than the baptism of John. Jesus has taken people back to the Jordan. The Jews went through the Jordan to be cleansed from the old way to enter into the new lands. And so Jesus, as he gets baptized in the Jordan, Jesus didn't have the sin washed off of him. Jesus didn't need that. What Jesus did was Jesus, when he got baptized in the water, he came up, the Spirit landed on him. Jesus sanctified the water so that we could be cleansed through water baptism. Up until then, it was just a, I'm, I'm, I'm deciding I'm doing something. But after Jesus, now we see in water baptism, spirit baptism, we see God does something in the baptismal waters after Jesus got baptized in the water. Now the spirit is involved. See, this is different. The spirit was active in it. But there is a, throughout church history, there is a time that you decide to become a follower of Christ. And historically, it was that water baptism. Put up my next picture, if you would, please. If anybody here has been in the Marines, you know what this picture is. These are recruits who are, who are Marine recruits. They're not Marines yet. You're not a Marine until you graduate from Marine boot camp. And there's two uh, Marine boot camps. There's one in San Diego and there's one at Paris Island. And they each have these doors right here. It's called the uh, Silver Hatches. And what you see here is the drill sergeant talking to his recruits saying, these silver hatches, you will only pass through them one time. The only people who can pass through these hatches are recruits. And what happens is the first two recruits will open that door and all the other recruits will go through that door. Next picture, please. At the end, the drill sergeant will close those doors. The drill sergeant will not go through that door. The drill sergeant will go through a door off to the side because you only pass through that door one time. One time. Because after that, now you're a Marine recruit. And only recruits go through there one time. We have something similar in the Christian faith that's called water baptism. 
When I went to boot camp, here was kind of funny. Uh, when I joined the Coast Guard, um, thank you, Josh. When I joined the Coast Guard, uh, I joined because for me, it was the best option available at my life at that time. Uh, I was homeless, didn't have a job, high school dropout, things weren't good, wasn't going anywhere, things weren't great. And so I couldn't, I, I could not, you know, I was in a situation where you ever been like in, like so broke that you're like, I need more money just to be broke. You know, like I'm, I don't have enough money to be broke. Now I'm just like, like any money I get right now, I'm going to spend today, right? Like if I get any money right now, it'll be gone before I go to sleep tonight because I'd like to eat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you can't really think, okay, how am I going to save up first, last, security, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 17 and I'm homeless. Like, that, that's with no education. It's not really an option, right? And so uh, I wound up joining the service because, for me, the service was the best option. They were going to, like, feed me, which sounded like a good deal um, at that point. And they were going to give me somewhere to live, again, sound like a good deal. And I was going to have a job, at least for four years. Again, sounded like a good deal. So I joined the service uh, because, for me, it was the best option for me at the time. And then when I got there, the first thing they did was they shaved my head and they made me dress and look like everybody else. Like, there was something that they were trying to teach me. This is not about you. This is about us. And you are now going to be one of us. And in order to be one of us, I need you to lose your personal identity and find identity in this group. Does this make sense? And so they are trying to program you that you are to be baptized into a new way of living. You used to just go wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. You, your boss would tell you something, and you'd think about doing it. And you're like, I think I might want to do that, but I'm not sure I want to do that. And they let you know, hey, when you're on a boat, and it's taking on water, and your boss tells you to go to this compartment and do this thing with that hose and that valve, we're not having a discussion about it. It needs to happen as soon as we tell you. So you go to boot camp to learn how to do what someone tells you to do. It's amazing that you have to, it takes two months for the average teenage American to learn that if your boss tells you to do something, you should do it. It's amazing how many people think, well, you're paying me money and I'll just decide whether or not I'm going to do that, right? Like in Marine boot camp, it's a little more strenuous because when you're a Marine, when you are walking with your squad and people start shooting at you, they train, they train Marines, uh, your natural reaction is to go hide behind something. But what's going to happen then is they know where you are and they will eventually kill everybody in your squad. So what Marines do is when they start shooting at you, you have to run at the person shooting at you to kill them before they kill your whole squad. That is not a natural thing to do and not something I'm signing up for, by the way. Not something I want anything to do with. I don't want anything to do with I don't want any part of that at all, right? I don't regret not becoming a Marine. But when, that, when the person starts shooting at you, that is not when you start deciding how you're going to deal with it. That has already been decided for you in boot camp. It was decided in training. It was decided, like, you have, you have learned to trust the people who have been fighting wars for the last 2,000 years what you're going to do in this situation. And so they train you, like, this is what we need to do. And then people come, and instead of becoming a disciple of the service, they become a disciple of God and think, I get to decide what everything means and what I'm going to do. Like somehow your boss at McDonald's has more authority in your life than the Word of God or your pastor. Like, like and I'm just going gonna, gonna to riff on this just for a second, and I want you to hear this, parents. There is 
in so many families, there's a person who decides when your family's going to eat, what your family's going to do on the weekend, whether or not you get to go on vacation, how you're going to spend money, and you call him coach. Children's sports are not supposed to dictate your family rhythm. The soccer games don't decide whether or not you go to the family reunion. Baseball and football is not the thing that decides when you eat dinner. You raise your family and see if sports works into it, not the other way around. Can I just say that? But the Coast Guard wanted to give me a new way of looking at the world. And it worked. I got my life together. I got out and I was able to get a job. Went to school, actually figured out I could read and learn and got a whole bunch of degrees after that. And and life got better. This is what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Peter said to these people, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not to get in the weeds theologically, but people have taken that scripture wrong as, as, as a baptismal formula. And if you read it in the Greek, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying you have to say these special words when you're baptizing. What he's saying is, instead of in the name of the temple authority, you now do it under the authority of Jesus Christ. That is, you are not, you're not doing a mikvah anymore. You're being baptized into Christ. What he's saying is, there is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And as you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you are being baptized into the life of God. Does that make sense? He, but what he's saying, the real point here is, this is we have to start all the way from the beginning for you to become a follower of God. You've lived your whole life figuring out the world on your own. you figured the, your whole life on what you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do and what attractive is and what ugly is and what success is and what failure is and, and where my joy is based on and what my depression is based on. And what Jesus said and Peter echoed is, we're going to have to start all the way at the beginning. You're going to be born again in water. You're going to die in the waters of baptism. You're going to come up a new creation and you're starting a new life. You're not modifying your old life. We're starting a brand new life in Jesus where all things are made new. This is how he said it. Paul tried to explain it in Romans chapter 6 to the Romans. He says, don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life. This is the goal. This is what we're to aspire to. What does it mean to live the life? We come up out of the water and now we live differently. Maybe you were baptized as a child. This is not a call to baptism. This is a theological discourse on understanding who you are now that you're a Christian. If you have given your life to Christ, you are expected to live by a different ethos. And in the world, we're supposed to behave differently than the world. Um, I have a funny job up here. And it's not for you to worry about me. Uh, But I try to share the gospel and I don't want it tainted by the world. At the same point, I see the world tainting the gospel and I have to say something about it. Um, Somehow, someone, through their algorithm, made people think that faith and politics were connected. 
that who you vote for is a representation in, in this. And so what they've done is they've manipulated a mass of people to think that I have to vote this way based on my faith. It's an algorithm that people didn't even recognize was programming them. Here's how it's supposed to work. As believers, we are supposed to do so much good in the world that people want to become believers. And that everything they do reflects their faith. And then the people who are elected, hopefully, live that kind of way, and they do their job with that kind of ethos. That, that, that's the goal. We're, we're, we're not supposed to go take on Nabisco or, or boycott uh, you know, a dairy farm based on who works there. That not, not only does it not work, it makes us look like morons, right? It just, it just looks dumb. How many people have, 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 have the public Christians canceled at this point? Is there anything we're allowed to do? According to them, is there any company we're about allowed to use? So many people have been canceled. I'm like, bro, that's you. Like, that, like, you don't even go to Disney, and you're trying to cancel Disney. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Let's be real. Let's be real. We don't have we don't have state income tax because of Disney. Let Disney be full, right? That, like, this is let Disney be full. I, I like not having to pay tax. Tax the visitors. I'm I'm alright with that. Ben, come on up if you would, please. I'm I'm, I'm almost done. <clears throat> Put it up if you would, Josh. We're supposed to live the life. The life. And this is, this is, this is something so much more rich and so much more um, vibrant and so much more energizing and so much more beautiful than anything that the world can offer us. The other reading in our lectionary is, um, I'm not going to read it. You're going to have to take my word for it. Um, after Jesus had been resurrected, there's two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And these two disciples are walking, and Jesus walks up with them, and they don't recognize him. And Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys talking about today? And they're like, don't you know what happened? And he's like, yeah, what, 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 what happened? And they're like, oh, there was this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, and we thought he was the Messiah, and he was killed. Everybody in Jerusalem was talking about it. Well, I can't believe you don't, you don't know it. And Jesus is like, oh, well. Yeah. And then Jesus is like, well, don't you know that the Messiah had to come and die? And they're like, what are you talking about? And then Jesus did this entire survey of the Old Testament pointing out who the Messiah was. Day two, I'm, I'm going for that Bible study. Like, I want, I, want, I want that Bible study. I want to know where Jesus just painted the picture of who he was in the Scriptures. <clears throat> and the Bible then says, <clears throat> they, were, they were continuing on, but the disciples got to where they were going. And they invited Jesus in for a meal, right? And they invited Jesus in for a meal, and they sat down, and they said, as they broke the bread, their eyes were opened, and they recognized it was Jesus. He disappeared. And then they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was... When he was... Okay. Why, why do I tell you this story? Why, why am I telling you the scripture? Historically, the Protestant church has said that water baptism is, is nothing but a religious bath. Right? Jesus, you know, you said you're saved, and so you prove it by getting water baptized, and that's all there is. But the Bible tells us that God is involved in that. History tells us God is involved in that. Whether you feel it or not, God is involved in that. These two men, Jesus had been resurrected. As they broke bread, revelation came to them, and they recognized Jesus. And so in the Protestant church, we have the table of the Lord, or communion, whatever you want to call it. And we call it a memorial. We just do this because God told us to do this. But the Bible shows us that Jesus is involved in that. He, he's in the midst of that. I've seen people get water baptized and come out speaking in unknown tongues. 
I've seen people get water baptized, and when they came out of the water, they had an addiction that stayed in the bottom of the pool, and they lived free after that. Well, I say amen, amen, amen. I've seen people take communion and get baptized in the Holy Ghost while they take communion. And I read in the Word that everything we do in obedience to Jesus, Jesus is right there in the midst. And yet we have churches discipling people that it's just a ritual. There are no rituals with Jesus. Either you're obeying Him and growing in grace, or you're not. Jesus is involved in every time you choose to obey Him. His Spirit is there giving you grace. Every time you think, ah, it's going to sleep in, and you go to church instead, there's grace in that. Every time you think, oh, I'm going to go to that website, I know I should. No, 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 I'm not. I'm gonna... There's grace in that. Amen. Every time you think you're going to tell somebody off and you say, you know what, I'm going to let them lose their mind and I'm not, I'm not going to react. There's grace in that. When you, when you get your finances, we do this every week. When you get your God's, when your finances are connected to God's economy, all of a sudden you start breathing on your finances. God is in that. And when you choose to sing along with us in unity as we sing songs, God is in that. We're not here doing worship. Just to, it, This is not the warm-up act. My daughter recently went to Taylor Swift, which apparently is a big deal. And, uh, you know, there's warm-up acts that get you ready. And, and so the band, those bands, like, to get kind of a lazy crowd and to start. That's not what our band is doing. Our band is not here to get you to shake off the week so you can pay attention. They're leading in worship. And they go first because the Bible says that we enter into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And so we start with praise and thanksgiving and worship. This is what we do. The worshipers always went before the Ark of the Covenant. And we believe that as we worship God, the Ark of the Covenant is coming after Him. The presence and power of God is coming right after Him. And so we encourage people. We put words up just so you can sing the song and you can get in on it even though you don't know the song yet. We're not doing it because we're like, man, uh, it sure make us feel good if we can hear more people sing. No, this is for you. Because you need God in your life. Otherwise, you are stuck with what Boca has to offer you. And I'm here to let you know it is not life-giving. It is not life-giving. It, it, it will not sustain you. You will not be on your deathbed and think, I only could have got more plastic surgery. Then my life would no. No, 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 no. No. God has more for you than that. You may have believed in Jesus. You may have said a prayer or grew up in church. My, my question for you is, are you living the light? Don't get religious on me. I'm not talking about, are you struggling with sin? I'm talking about, are you living a life where you're trying to hear God and follow Him? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, do you curse more than you wish you did or you can't give up smoking. That's not what I'm saying. Are you living a life where you wake up in the morning and say, I want to hear your voice? I am connected to you. I'm part of a different kingdom. I want to live a life. If you aren't, if you've never even heard of the gospel this way, I want to invite you in. There is a life waiting for you. There is a life of a kingdom that is not of this world. There, there, there is a God that you cannot see with your eyes, but He comforts you in the midnight hour. There is a spirit. There is a spirit that moves and heals in ways that time never could. There is a Father in heaven who rejoiced over the day you were born. There was a Savior who still has holes in His hands so that you can come and know this Father in spirit. There is a kingdom that you're being invited into. 
I went through eight weeks of boot camp, and when I finished, I graduated. I have a little piece of paper from that today. My hair grew out. I don't dress that way anymore, but I graduated. But as Christians, we have a graduation as well. The graduation, of course, is in heaven on the other side of the earth. That is our graduation. The graduation isn't in the baptismal water. It's not in the altar call. It's not when you're able to finally speak in tongues or lay hands on the sick or when you get your life in order and you quit smoking. Our graduation is on the other side. Until then, we are disciples of Jesus, growing in His way, learning His life, living His life, sharing His life with the people around us. Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, I'm almost done. He says, and though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy. Now, Peter is writing this to a church that's being murdered. In the early church, they would talk about two baptisms. The first baptism would be in water, and the second baptism was in your martyrdom, in your blood. And they would talk about the greater grace of the second baptism, knowing that they would be murdered. And so Peter is writing to Christians that are being murdered. He says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Friend, this is what we're going for. The outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Yes, we want to be saved, as Peter said, from this perverse generation. This one is as perverse as the one that Peter was talking to on the day of Pentecost. Boca Raton is not Israel. It is Babylon. It is a system that wants you to worship vanity, greed, and lust. But God has another kingdom. And in the end, we will receive a crown of life. Can you say amen? Stand, stand with me if you could. You have to start that journey, though. You have to start that journey, and you have to tell other people about this journey. We have to tell people to stop letting the algorithm of this world disciple them and submit your way to Jesus. Submit your way to Jesus and receive the Spirit of God. Now, if you have been saved, you've not been water baptized, you're having a baptism next Sunday during service, you have to go to the baptism class Wednesday night. Baptism class Wednesday night. Say Wednesday night. Wednesday night is going to be online, 7 o'clock. I'll talk more about that another time. But I want to give us a second right now. I want us to respond to this message. 